Story number eight, Southview Avenue, Ukabuka Land, will be read by our guest reader, Magistra. Ukabuka Land. Gather, gather, gather round, ladies and gentlemen, leopards and giraffes, lollipops and gummy bears, lizard lips and googly eyes, and yes, even you, Mrs. Stevens. I am the super, super say-so, and I've come to make you laugh until you pass. Pass what, you ask? Pass gas. Pass out. Pass away. Pass anything other than class. Careful, Mrs. Stevens warned from her desk in the corner of the room. She sat with her arms folded, watching Cynthia say so sour, put on a show in front of the class. This was the only way to keep Cynthia from disrupting and derailing the entire lesson. If Mrs. Stevens didn't give her these five minutes at the end, Cynthia would burst into some kind of sideways monologue about whatever Mrs. Stevens had been teaching that day. Like how negative numbers deserve deserve empathy because no one should ever feel lower than zero. I mean, wouldn't you feel a little negative too if people kept saying you less than nothing? You basically don't even really exist. You under under. Your mama done probably kicked you out. Your girlfriend or boyfriend done broke up with you, and when you asked why, they just said something like, You ain't enough for me. So tell me, who's crying for the negative number? Who, Mrs. Stevens, who? Cynthia would wail and flail over dramatic fists in the air, all leading up to the big finish, Cynthia planting her face flat on the desk, cheek to wood, and right when Mrs. Stevens would think it was over, Cynthia would lift up and ask, you know what I would do if I was a negative number? There was only one answer. Cynthia, don't you dare, Mrs. Stevens warned, knowing what was coming. There was always only one answer. I would. One answer, and the whole class knew it. Cynthia, seriously, Mrs. Stevens shook her head. And because the whole class knew it, they joined in and said it with her. Run! Cynthia would jump up from her desk and charge out of the classroom, but only for a second. Then she'd come back in as if it never happened, have a seat at her desk, straighten her posture, pick up her pencil with one hand, and play with the two plates sprouting from either side of her head, a hairstyle she loved for its comedic effect with the other. Mrs. Stevens used to call out for her, used to, used to stutter step toward the door, used to threaten to write her up. Don't divide me from the class, Mrs. Stevens. Please don't divide us. Cynthia would fake beg, doubling down on the math joke. Oh, I'm not planning on doing any division, Cynthia. I'm thinking more along the lines of subtraction. But Mrs. Stevens never did. Truth is, she likes Cynthia's jokes. It reminded her of old comedians on the black and white TV shows her grandmother used to watch when she was a child. So she cut the goofball a deal. If Cynthia would be attentive and serious all class, she would get the last five minutes to do her thing. So, L's and G's, let's start with the news. This just in. Shirt is a strange word, right? I mean, seriously, there had to be better options when it came to naming this. Cynthia tugged at the collar of her t-shirt. I heard, and this is just what I heard, a long, long, long time ago, there was this dude who was a clothes maker, and he invented this thing to cover your chest and arms and stuff. Now, when he first made it, he called it an arm belly chest cloth, but that name was too long, so then he shortened it to an ABC. 
But then the ABCs came out, and you know, that became a whole thing with the song and the cool LMNOP part. And the next thing he knew, everybody was doing it. And the clothes maker realized maybe ABC wasn't the best name to call his arm belly chest cloth. But he ain't have another name for it. One night he was sitting with a friend. No, not one friend, a bunch of his friends. At a dinner. And everybody's trying on his arm belly chest cloth thing, right? And the clothes maker is nervous because people love it. And they keep asking him what it's called. And when he tells them, their faces drop like they can't believe it. Well, that's too long of a name. We call shoes shoes, not toe cover-uppers, they said. Now, see, the clothes maker was a nervous eater. I forgot to tell you all that part. Every time he got stressed out or, like, anxious, he would eat. And now he was nervous because everyone was saying his garment wouldn't work unless he changed the name. So what are you going to change it to? They asked, and instead of responding, he just started stuffing bread in his mouth. Bread, 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 just pushing, pushing it in there. What are you going to name it, they repeated. And do you know what the clothes maker said with a mouthful of rolls? Pause for effect. I'll tell you what he said. Cynthia wound up. The clothes maker shrugged and said all muffled, Shirt, I don't know. And before the ruckus could even come, Mrs. Stevens shut it all down. Okay, okay, that's enough for today, she said, trying not to laugh herself. There was no need to cut Cynthia off anyway because the punchline landed at the exact moment the bell rang. Cynthia, Cynthia's mother worked all day and went to school all evening, and when Cynthia was a baby, her mother uh, would rock her to sleep with bedtime stories read out of night school textbooks. She was Cynthia's hero, a hero too busy to save her, a hero too hardworking to uh, even find time to laugh, but a hero nonetheless. But Cynthia's grandfather was her superhero, and not in the superhuman sense, but in a way that there was something incredible about him, at least to Cynthia. To almost everyone else, he was just the wild ex-soldier who owned the liquor store right in front of her apartment building, the kind of man who would take a wooden crate, flip it upside down, then step up on it and put on a show. Whole court right there in the middle of the store. Jokes were his superpower. The dirtier, the better. Cynthia was even named after him. His name was Cinder. And whenever he'd introduce himself to people, they'd always ask, Cinder, like Cinderella? And he'd say, nah, Cinder, like Cinderblock. But really, he was a bit of both. Had a toughness to him. A hard-headed, hard-handed, hard-talking man. But he was also soft, soft enough to hold baby Cynthia and stare at her and laugh and laugh like she was the greatest joke ever told. Soft enough to know a good side sidekick when he saw one. Soft enough to give her a nickname, Sweetie Say So. Named her that because of all the goo-goos and gagas and grunts Cynthia would make whenever Cinder would pick her up. A noisemaker, always a noisemaker. And Cinder would just salute her and say, Sweetie, if you say so, if you say so, sweetie. Cinder's girlfriend, a gray-haired, lipsticked, cigarette-smoking male woman named Miss Fran, would always come by his store to deliver letters and bills, always catching him in the middle of his jokester routines. She'd laugh in this way that made all the bottles in the store rattle, made all the men jealous of the love thing she and Cinder had. And when she came on Saturdays, she'd always catch Cynthia marching around outside the front of the store, prompted by her grandfather, and Miss Fran would stick stamps on Cynthia's chubby cheeks and forehead. 
I'm going to put you in the mailbox, ship you off to Ookabooka land, she'd tease, and Cynthia would laugh and scream, no, as if Ookabooka land was a real place. Miss Fran died when Cynthia was seven. Hurt Cynthia to lose the only grandmother she'd ever known, but her sadness was nothing compared to Cinder's. Seemed like Cinder's mind floated away with Miss Fran's spirit and voice. Or maybe it went underground with her body, buried in the cemetery across the street from the liquor store. Cinder could see her gravestone from the window of the fourth floor unit he and Miss Fran had lived in together, five doors down from where Cynthia lived with her mom. It wasn't long after Miss Fran's death that Cinder closed the liquor store. It wasn't long after the store closed that it was knocked down. It wasn't long after it was knocked down that the apartment complex built a playground where it used to be, a sliding board, a set of swings, a seesaw, a stage, not a big elaborate stage, just a concrete platform about the size of the wooden crates Cinder used to stand on in the store. A bronze plaque bolted to it that read, Cinder's Block. Cynthia hoped that maybe he'd step up on it someday, crack a joke or two, but he never would because it wasn't long after the store was turned into a playground that Cinder started to forget things. How to turn on the radio, how to work the microwave, and every time something simple would slip his mind, Cynthia would have to come over to help. Remind me how to turn on the TV, say so. Don't seem to want to work for me, Cinder would say, pointing the case he kept his eyeglasses in at the television screen. Wasn't long after Cinder started to forget things that Cynthia and her mother moved down the hall into her grandfather's two-bedroom apartment. Cinder had his room, and Cynthia and her mother had the other, which meant most nights, because her always exhausted mother slept like a woman fighting a bear, Cynthia slept on the couch, dreaming of the day she could make her mother laugh, dreaming of the day she could funny her mother free of all the work, of all the stress she seemed to wear on her face like thick makeup the wrong color for her skin, dreaming of her mother telling her a joke, knock, knock, and Cynthia replying, who's there? And her mother saying, me, and Cynthia saying, not, having to say, me who? Well, that's all Say So ever wanted. A love thing with her mother, the way her grandfather had with Miss Fran, through laughter. And since her mother was too busy to break, well then, anyone would have to do. A smile is a smile, a ha is a ha. So every day she'd rattle off her jokes at the end of class, bathing in her classmates' crack-ups, including today. As everyone rushed out of Mrs. Stevens' class, Cynthia stood at the door handing out flyers. Not the kind that are professionally printed with graphics and lasers and cool shadow effects. These were just pieces of lined notebook paper ripped into squares with soggy edges because she believed in the lick and rip method. That said, written in red, Say So Live on Cinder's Block at the Southview Apartments. Show starts at 3.33. Be there or be Mr. Fantana's Forever Wedgie, Cynthia teased. She didn't know where that one came from, but she let it loose and let it live. Down the hall she went, stopping at her locker, grabbing her things, and heading for the door, pausing only to tell her friend Gregory Pitts that he smells like his last name. She told him this every day, just because, dot, 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 well, just because. And Greg, knowing it was a joke, flapped his arms like a bird, wafting the pit funk toward her. 3.33, she called out to him, be there. 
When she got outside, instead of taking the long way she usually took, and walking the way most of the walkers went, which was up to the corner where Ms. Post was, orange-vested, waving cars by, blowing her whistle until her face looked like it would pop, Cynthia walked through the grass and headed around the back of the school to take the shortcut. She could have gone through the back door, which would have been an easier short, an even shortcut. No, I'm going to try that one again. She could have gone through the back door, which would have been an even shorter cut, but then she would have missed snapping on Greg, and who could avoid the opportunity to roast? Plus, she'd, leaned, she'd learned from her grandfather a long time ago how important tradition was. She walked along the side of the school, dragging her fingers on the red brick of the building until she reached the line of trees at the back. Not exactly a forest, just a single line of maples that created a barrier between the school and the road. When Cynthia reached the tree line, the trees thick with limbs that looked less like arms and more like outstretched legs, thick-rooted yoga trees, she hiked her jeans up above her ankles and tiptoed because the land seemed to always be muddy there. On the other side of the trees was Carrigan Street, known for nothing besides the entrance to the Southview Cemetery. The cemetery had a regal iron gate wrapped around it and took up the entire block. Cynthia, after looking both ways, ran across the street and into the cemetery because through the graveyard was the shortest way home. No point in going around when she could go through. Plus, she had to get giggles for her grandfather. Giggles were cigarette butts. Cinder collected them, and Cynthia always tried to make sure to find some if she could. People were always walking through the cemetery smoking and leaving their leftover cigs on the ground, and sometimes even them leaving them on the gravestones along with flowers, pictures, notes, bottles, and candles. But the giggles were what she was looking for, what Cinder always wanted. But he hadn't named them that. Cynthia had. Shortly after Miss Fran died, Cynthia was helping her grandfather clean the apartment, helping him organize his papers and cloths, clothes, sorry, helping him straighten up. You want this, she asked, holding up an old Vietnam veteran's hat. Uh-huh. These, Cynthia asked, holding up a stack of stamps and envelopes. Hmm. I ain't mailing anything, so nah, Cinder said. Cynthia peeled one of the stamps from the book, stuck it on her forehead, then made a funny face at her grandfather. He smiled, and she put the rest of the stamps in her back pocket. What about all this? She then said, holding up an ashtray full of cigarette butts, red lipstick smudged on the tips. He looked, leaned into the ashtray, kind of looked like he was leaning over the ledge of a pool, threatening to fall in. He picked one up, looked at it like he was looking at a single bullet one that could explode his heart, but didn't. At least not in the way Cynthia thought. Cinder's eyes watered, but he didn't cry. He giggled. Cynthia traipsed around the cemetery looking for giggles, finding none. There were people walking through, dogs through the graveyard, others visiting their family members, sweeping their areas, picking up trash, replacing dead flowers with live ones. Cynthia saw two girls sitting on a skateboard in front of a tombstone. She thought she recognized them, but didn't want to stare because it would have been weird. She kept walking, kept looking, eyes running across the tops of the stones that had last names engraved in them. But she was running out of time. It was 3.26, seven minutes until the say-so show, so she figured she may have struck out this time. She may not have any new giggles to give her grandfather. 
But then she came to Miss Fran's grave, and sitting on top of it was a cigarette butt. Lipstick kissed the end of it. Cynthia took it as a sign, slid it into her pocket, and headed on. After she came out on the other side of the cemetery, the Southview Avenue side, she crossed the street over to where the playground was. There was a little girl sitting on a swing, kicking her legs, flying back and forth, static electricity for her hair, for her hair, happiness for a face. But she was the only person there, and it was 3.31 p.m. Cynthia sat on Cinder's block, stretched to crack her back. The couch seemed to be making her body old, and when she thought about that, it made her laugh. I bet the reason a couch is called a couch is because of the ouch part, she said to herself, or maybe to the swinging girl, but the swinging girl was swinging and not listening. Yeah, that's a good one. 3.32 p.m. A bird landed next to her, a pigeon, a dingy gray that was still somehow beautiful, like clouds before rain. Yeah, I always swing it anyway, she said to the bird. I wonder what it must be like to be you. It's like you got wings so you can fly anywhere you want to go, which is pretty much the most amazing thing ever. You can fly to the things you want. But the letdown is that when you get to wherever the things you want are, you ain't got the hands to grab it. That one made her laugh a little. 3.33 p.m. No one came. But no one ever came. Well, that's not true. Sometimes Gregory Pitts, Remy Vaughn, Joey Santiago, and Candace Green would come. But that's just because they lived in Southview, too. Cynthia figured her low attendance was because people had to go home after school. You know, parents practice homework, stuff like that. Either that, or they never thought she was being serious about her shows. That whole 3.30 thing, 3.33 thing, was just part of her act. Part of the joke. Part of the say-so thing. And so they were all thinking, yeah, okay, if you say so, right? Of course. Truth was, 3.33 p.m. was for Cynthia's mother. She got off work as a barista at 3 and had school, now graduate school, at 4.15. She always went straight to class, but if for some reason she decided to skip to take a day off to give herself a break, Cynthia would be right there, standing on Cinder's block, ready to joke a smile onto her hero's face just the way her superhero had taught her. But there were no days off for a hero, so Cynthia opened her backpack, pulled her notebook out, and snatched a page loose. She dug out a pen and started scribbling the joke about the bird and not having any hands, and how awesome it would be to have wings if you also had hands. But then, that would make birds angels, and how it would be way too scary to see angels with beaks. Well, that made her laugh, too. Cynthia then pulled out an envelope and a stamp. She kept them in the small pocket in the front of her bag. She folded the paper, slid it into the envelope, sealed it, then wrote her own address on it. After that, she slapped the stamp on it. She peeled another stamp from the book and walked over to the little girl on the swing. Want a sticker? Cynthia asked. The little girl stopped swinging, held her hand out. Cynthia stuck the sticky square to the back of it. Charlie Chaplin. When she got upstairs to her apartment, Cynthia dropped her bag on the couch and beelined to her grandfather's room. Knocked. Grandpa, I got mail. No answer. Knocked again. Grandpa, it's say-so. Mail. Nothing. Concerned, Cynthia turned the knob, opened the door slowly. Grandpa? 
He was there, sitting on the side of his bed, scribbling in his notepad. Paper balls littered the floor, so many that the door swept a bunch of them to the side of the room. That wasn't unusual. There were always paper balls, most with random sentences on them, starts and stops. His hands holding a pen, spitting whatever was coming from his sputtering mind. But a few were not in his handwriting. A few had been snatched from envelopes, written in the loopy cursive of the coolest granddaughter in the world. Grandpa, you hear me knocking? Cynthia asked. Cinder looked up at her, and for a moment it seemed like he didn't recognize her. Finally, oh, say so, I didn't hear you. In here trying to get my jokes together, trying to write a zinger for you to take to school tomorrow, you know? Cynthia came to his side, kissed his cheek, looked down at the paper. All he had written was the word eardrums. Eardrums, huh? Yeah, it's not working. He ripped it out, balled it up, tossed it on the floor. Got something else I think is better, but I don't know. Anyway, I was school. I killed. You did the shirt joke? Yep, and it crushed him. Oh, your mother used to love that joke. His voice sweetened for a moment. Then he continued. Your teacher ain't get mad, did she? No, no, she was cool about it, Cynthia reassured him, remembering the cigarette butt in her pocket. Oh, I almost forgot I found a giggle. She pulled the red stained tip from her pocket, dropped it in his palm. Cinder let it roll around, staring down at it for a second before smiling. He got up from the bed and dropped it in a bottle on a small table a few feet away, adding it to what looked like a hundred, maybe more. And some mail came for you. Cynthia held the envelope out, the one that she'd stuffed with the paper she'd written the bird joke on, the one that she'd simply written her own address, which was his address, on. Nothing else. Grandpa took the envelope and set it on the table. Cynthia knew that later he would open it, read it, and then forget he'd read it and believe he wrote it. And the next day he'd tell her to try a new joke in Mrs. Stevens' class. And she'd tell him she would, then come home and tell him his jokes were working. His jokes were still cracking people up. And he'd say things like, We a good team, ain't we? Or like father, like daughter. And Cynthia would kiss his cheek and nod. Cynthia headed back toward his bedroom door. Before leaving... She turned and asked, What was the other thing? Cinder looked confused, so Cynthia continued, The joke, you said you were thinking about something else. Oh, just this thing I was kicking around, but I don't think it'll work. What was it? Tell me. Okay. Cinder steadied himself, looked his granddaughter in the eye. What would happen if a school bus fell from the sky? Cynthia thought for a second a smile creeping onto her lips. I mean, is it coming from Ukabuka land? Silence. Just that thought between them. Cynthia looking at her grandfather, her Cinderella, her Cinderblock, the man who taught her to perform, taught her that life is funny most of the time, and times it ain't funny are even funnier, and there ain't no forgetting that. He looked back at her, and in a way that only grandfather and granddaughter could do, together Cynthia and Cinder split open, and laughter poured out of them, a laughter free enough to make the bottle of giggles on the table rattle. Oh, that's hard when your grandfather or grandmother or some other person starts to get old and lose their memory. Cynthia sure knows how to handle it, and we know humor 
is a wonderful thing. See you later.